Hi, this is ESPN's Dave Lamont, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. You're watching the college football playback on the Sports Objective. If you're tuned in via our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, let us hear from you with your thoughts and comments as we take a look back at the week that was around college football. Now, here are the guys. Welcome in to week four of the college football playback right here on the Sports Objective. With me right now, my brother from a different mother, Kyle Barber. What's up, dude? Come on, David, the Richmond, Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, brunch for uh, those uh, right now, uh, people just waking up. Uh, hey, uh, Bubba Ro- Rosenbaum, what's up, dude? Not much. I'm monitoring my kids uh, while they stepped outside for a moment to, to feed the cat. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, the one year, right? Yeah, as you can tell, the slamming of doors and it's a. Uh, Interesting time right now, which is why I'm off camera. It's okay, brother. It's all right. It's it's life, baby. Your cat, okay. Dewanye, named after for pirate. His cat is named after Dewanye William Sutton. Yeah, well, that's partially correct. Um, minus the uh, last name. Uh, so a couple years ago, when we played um, in Chapel Hill, um, a series which the Pirates took from the Tar Heels. Riley so was with me uh, for the for games uh, two and three of that series. And he was just, he, he thought he thought that name, uh, Duanye, was a, a cool name, a funny name. So he said, one day when we get a dog, we'll name it Duanye. So we had, got a cat um, before before a dog. Um, and there was no doubt what he was going to name it. And interesting story there for our, for our listeners, I'm sure. Hey, I think you'd be surprised how many people are, are laughing at that. Actually, I thought it was interesting, and if I think it's interesting, other people think it's interesting. Why don't you yeah. have a dog? Yeah, and, and uh, just kind of our living situation, we didn't didn't want to invest in a, a fence. We don't want a house dog. Um, so why not? House dogs are awesome. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, that's well, working. With the size, of, with the size of our house, it would not. Uh, it yeah, I'm just not a preferred situation. All right. All right. Whatever. Yeah, future in the future you can get a dog. Right? Okay. And folks, you're listening to the um and the animal objective. <laughs> it's, called uh, chit-chat, Bob. it's called chit chat. What we yeah. call it Hey, uh, I want to give a shout out to Nikki. That's Kyle's yeah, dog. Nikki, that's one of my two dogs. Yeah. Nikki, uh Nikki, uh she knows Bubba. She's she's never met you, Dave. Um oddly enough, but uh, she does know Bubba. Um so, yeah. she loved me. Absolutely. And I have Princess the cat. So it's a white cat. She's she's awesome. So for people that want to know about her animals. <laughs> I also have a chihuahua named Honey. I got Nikki. She's a lab German Shepherd mix. And then I have my chihuahua, Honey. I, got two I dogs. didn't know the name of uh, – well, I knew you had a chihuahua. Well, you know, that chihuahua's an old bitch. I mean, she, uh, she, she's old grumpy ass, always, you know, uh, 14 years old now. She's old grumpy. She, she's my wife's dog. Nikki's actually Nikki's actually made a, a cameos on the podcast over the over the last two and a half years, so we know who Nikki is. Yeah, and, uh, down, yeah, she likes to bark every now and then. Yeah, so she gives her um, she's objective. She gives her approval to the show, so uh, to her daddy. So anyway, guys, uh, what did you think about? Uh, we'll get your thoughts on 
week number four. Hey, I was just thinking right before we started the show, aren't you glad that we are in week four? I mean, that we've made it this far so far? Yeah, week four for college football. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms yeah. of uh, yeah. playing this many games, I, you know, and I think we're going to get the whole season in. I, it's just going to be every week going to be um, a lot of games canceled. Um, I, I think uh, all the conference championship games are going to have to be pushed back to the 19th or later, and I think you know, a lot of leagues have already done that. I don't know what's holding up some of the other leagues. Looks at the American. Um, but I think everybody needs to push it back to at least the 19th because of all these cancellations. Um, I, uh, I'm just glad we have college football. Yesterday the SEC started, as we'll talk about in depth here in a minute. And, uh, you know, uh, it looks like everybody's going to play football before the season's over in some capacity, um, be it a, uh, anywhere from a six- to eight-game schedule with the late starting conferences and, and uh, yeah, you're you're right. Week four is in the books, and glad to have it. Hey, look, there's Bubba. there's Bubba. Hey, Bubba, what's up? Uh, just the main things that stood out for me. I'm um, just the two top six teams falling as we'll yeah. as we'll get as we'll get to um, with Oklahoma losing again to Kansas State, and this time in Norman. And uh, last year they were able to <laughs> over. Uh, say it again. That was reverb. Last, last year, they were able to overcome that um, that loss in Manhattan, and um, we'll see how they do this year. They were picked off three times yesterday. Spencer Rattler threw for nearly 400 yards and four touchdowns, but he was intercepted those three times, and then they also lost a fumble. Um, so that uh, I didn't get to see much of that game, but I'm sure that was definitely a factor in them um, being unable to hold the three touchdown lead. And then how about Mike Leach uh, going into Tiger Stadium? Um, you normally hear where opponents' dreams come to die. Um, uh, opponents' dreams came true yesterday. Yeah, Tiger Stadium not nearly as uh, intimidating when it's not full. Um, but still, uh, yeah, I don't care how many guys else to graduation. How many guys opted out um, to go beat the defending national champions? And, of course, they lost their coordinators, but you still go beat the defending national champions um, in Death Valley at Tiger Stadium. Uh, that's impressive. Hell of a debut for Mike Leach. Um, you know, and, and knowing how Alabama struggles against those kind of offenses, yep. that's very interesting. I mean, I mean, they – you know, knowing Mike Leach ball clubs through the years at Washington State and Texas Tech, they might beat LSU, Alabama, and then lose to Ole Miss. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just how they are. But uh, he's got more talent than he's ever had, I would think. I mean, Texas Tech, I know, had some good players towards the end of his tenure uh, on all sides of the ball. But he's got to have as talented of a football team in terms of both sides of the ball, defense, et cetera. Uh, as he's ever had, just stepping into that situation in Starkville, I wouldn't think there would need to be a talent upgrade. I could be wrong, but I wouldn't think so. Um, so, yeah, it was a heck of a win for uh, the Bulldogs. Hey, guys, um, I saw a stat. Uh, the one that I've heard the most is the last time a defending champion lost their home opener was 1978 Notre Dame. So you have to go all the way back to 78. I was in kindergarten. Yeah, I can believe that. I mean, uh, you, when you think about it, typically the defending national champion is good again the next year. And certainly you typically in your home opener, lots of times you're not playing a very good opponent. So, uh, you know, uh, heck of a job by, by the Bulldogs. Did not expect it um, at all. I, I was I was kind of expecting it to take a while for Leach to get his offense rolling. 
at the level that he would need to have it rolling at to beat an LSU. And uh, it surprised me to see it out of the gates. Guys, I know that they lost, like you said, Kyle, the offensive coordinator, but um, they've gone back to, to me, it's back to reality for LSU because they always seem to have a good defense and they really struggle at offense. And uh, losing Joe Burrow uh, to uh, obviously the NFL and losing an offensive coordinator is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, and they put up 30 something yesterday. What was the final score? Yeah. Like? 44-34. Yeah, so not a terrible day on offense, but uh, giving up yeah, um, giving up 44 points to LSU, I don't care if it's what offense is against. That's uh, yeah. something that they're not used to at all. Yeah, since we're since we've already discussed this game so much, we'll go ahead and get into these numbers as well. Um, out of 632 total yards for Mississippi State, 623 passing, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, some other things that were kind that of the air raid, baby. Some some of those things and that were kind of overshadowed, uh, not not on some fans, um, but um, you know you, you know you throw for over six hundred yards against LSU, and that's going to probably take the headlines. But you had Miles Brennan on the, the first time quarterback, uh, first time starter for LSU. He was sacked, I think, seven times by Mississippi State, and and this, of course, uh, impacted that total rushing, um, but it was, I think, 80 yards on the ground for uh, the Tigers. When are they going to change that stat? The sack should not take away from total rushing yards. That is the stupidest thing. Yeah, that's one thing. I'm a, I'm certainly a college football guy, not a, not so much an NFL uh, fan, but that's one thing the NFL does um, do correctly, and that's that sacks not taking away from the team rushing stats. It's retarded. It doesn't. Well, I shouldn't use that word anymore. But it, it's, 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 take, take, take away from the the, the passing numbers. I, think. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that's really that. That I never knew about that about that stat. That's really Maybe dumb when they do that. You didn't know that, Dave? It, no, it, it, it's idiotic. That is really stupid. <laughs> I mean, that's on the quarterback. That's not on 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 the well, running the quarterback backs. or the offensive line. But well, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Probably not on the running back. Right. That's what. My, that's my point. That's why at one point yesterday, um, Holt Naylor's had about 85 yards rushing, and and then you looked a little bit later, and he was down to 40 yards rushing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> makes no sense. Um. But, Kind of moving on, um, let's let's start off with the American close to home. Um, you'll see the American scores scrolling across the bottom of the screen there. And when we touched on the East Carolina game a, a lot uh, last night with the Pirate football playback, check that out if you've not already done so. Um, Pirate Nation or uh, anyone who's uh, interested uh, in just the American in general. Um, but UCF took down the Pirates 51-28 in Greenville. Um, another game yesterday involving top 25 teams from the American was up at Nippert Stadium. Uh, you had Cincinnati taking on Army. 24-10, um, to the Bearcats were victorious. Um, did you get to watch any of that one, Kyle? A little bit. I didn't watch a lot after our game. I tried to, but I had to make a run to Kinston and uh, didn't, you know, I was kind of just back and forth doing things after that game. Um, but I did get to see some of it. Um, uh, Cincinnati looked good on defense. Uh, I think they kind of kept it conservative on offense. Um, it kind of went how I thought it would. I thought they would cover, but I didn't think they would blow it out. And uh, it kind of went exactly how I thought. 14-point um, win for the Bearcats. 
uh, quality win. Army's a pretty good football team. And um, so um, nice win for the Bearcats yesterday uh, at Nippert. And, um, yeah, like I said, since I didn't watch it too much, I can't give – I can't really analyze it, but it's certainly a quality win for, for the Bearcats and for the conference. You know, we had caught up with Chad Brindle from the Bearcat Journal on Friday night on the inside slant, and uh, he was talking about when we asked him how he thought that quality Cincinnati defense would hold up against Army's option attack, albeit a little bit different from Navy. He was pretty confident um, because they had fared well on defending Navy's uh, flex bone attack, and um, they they definitely did well yesterday. Uh, Army's touchdown was on a fumble return, so the Black Knights did not have an offensive touchdown. Wow. They had a 182 yards rushing. Um, they forced them to commit a couple of turnovers, and um, they were able to put it away late um, when when um, Desmond Ritter hooked up with Dokes for a 60 yard 60 yard um, play, um, but. Um, it was a little bit surprising that Cincinnati was only able to rush for 69 yards in the game. Yeah, and Chad Brendel also alluded to that. Uh, he said that everybody wants to talk about Cincinnati's defense against Army's offense, and his concern was Army's defense against Cincinnati's offense. He thought Army's defense was really good. And uh, he was right that that was uh, Army's strength in the game, uh, kind of shutting down Cincinnati. And since he uh, did a better job of shutting down Army, but it wasn't until late in the game that since he was ever truly to – Push, put it away. So, uh, nice job, though. Anytime you can shut down that op that option offense completely the way Cincinnati did, that's impressive. And uh, and you know they played uh, played it kind of close to the vest on offense. And uh, you know only had was that the one turnover they had, or did they have any other turnovers, uh, Bubba? I'm I'm not sure on that. Okay, but anyway, nice job by Cincy. And um, and next up for Cincinnati, um, we'll see if they rise in the polls at all. Uh, I would, you would imagine they probably would. Um, but next up is USF, um, which is trying to find itself under a new coach. And um, so Cincinnati's probably going to be uh, remaining undefeated uh, as uh, the Bulls will come to Nippert Stadium next week. Yeah, and I believe, Bubba, I could be wrong on this. You need to double check. Um, I believe this week, the Big Ten schools can start to be ranked in the top 25. I believe that's right. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects teams like Cincinnati. Uh, moving on in the American, um, Tulane took care of business as we, um, or at least you and I, Kyle, uh, thought they would in Hattiesburg at the Rock. Uh, it w wasn't easy early on. Uh, Southern Miss jumped out to a 14-7 lead um, after the first quarter. But from that point on, it was all green wave, and they – absolutely rolled, um, pun intended, the Golden Eagles, 66-24. Yeah, I believe it was was it tied at halftime. Um, if not, it was pretty close. And uh, all too late in the second half, uh, Southern Miss has got huge problems on defense, particularly with their run defense. And uh, Tulane just ran it down their throats. Over 400 yards rushing, I believe. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's correct. 722 total yards and 430 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns for Willie Fritz ball club. Yeah, I believe the interim head coach, uh, he just uh, blew any opportunity he had to get that job permanently. Um, unless there's a major turnaround the second half of the year. But uh, that's, that's, a, that's a bad performance right there. 
And leading the way for the green wave on the ground uh, was Cameron Carroll. He had 15 carries for 163 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, so all green wave in that one as their uh, roller coaster start to the season continues. Uh, they rallied in game one, and then they lost a 24-point lead in game two against Navy. And yesterday they steamrolled through Southern Miss. Um, last game to talk about this week in the American with so many – teams uh, facing either postponements or cancellations due to COVID. Um, you had SMU steamrolling through Stephen F. Austin uh, taking down the Lumberjacks 50-7. to seven. Um, Good job, SMU. And um, like you, um, that was one that I was not able to see any of, but I did glance at the box score this morning in, in preparation uh, for this broadcast excuse me, broadcast, and uh, Bentley and McDaniel for SMU on both topped 100 yards on the ground. And I don't recall exactly what it was, but it doesn't seem like Shane Bouchel threw for nearly the yardage you would expect when you see a 50-7 to victory. Uh, it was more the ground attack for the ponies. <laughs> I probably saw an opportunity to maybe get the ground game going and uh, test out some of their running game against uh, Stone Cold Stephen F. Austin. Um, obviously, you won't be able to do that against better opponents. So. Uh, not as not the Stephen F. They're a decent FCS program, but uh, yeah, nice job steamrolling them by the ponies. Uh, moving on to the ACC, um, a game taking place. I'll, uh, I guess two and a half hours up the road or so from me uh, was Virginia Tech uh, hosting NC State. The Hokies playing its opener uh, or their opener, I should say. And NC State had looked pretty good, uh, at least offensively, in Game One, taking down Wake Forest, but. Uh, yesterday, uh, a lot was made of the Hokies having 23 guys out. Uh, a couple of those guys were starters on uh, quarterback Hendon Hooker and also um, one of the starting cornerbacks uh, for, for Virginia Tech. And then I, I do think at least probably five or six, if not more, were on the two deep. So I don't want to underestimate it, but uh, maybe not quite as impactful as some people had, had initially thought. And but nonetheless, the, the Hokies uh, get a big 45-24 win over Dave Dorn and the Wolfpack and uh, really encouraging uh, for Virginia Tech fans, I'm sure, after uh, the way they struggled uh, for for a lot, a lot of last season at times. Yeah, you're without your quarterback. I, 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 you think he'll be their starting quarterback anymore, uh, Bubba? Um, and then uh, six guys off the two deep. I don't care if starters or not. If you're on the two deep, you're going to see significant playing time. Um, uh, that's a uh, that's an impressive victory. Um, I think all of us had taken NC State in the upset, and, uh, and Virginia Tech steamrolled them. Um, so, uh, uh, nice job of the Hokies. Everybody wants to talk about Miami and uh, and uh, you know Notre Dame and North Carolina being the challenger for Clemson. Uh, I'd be interested to see how the season's going to play out for Virginia Tech after that performance yesterday. Definitely, and uh, one of the things that allowed them to overcome uh, quarterback Hendon Hooker being out uh, was their ground attack. Uh, they they ran for 314 yards and averaged right at seven and a half yards per attempt. And Kansas transfer Khalil Herbert had had six for for uh, 104. <laughs> nice. Uh, <clears throat> Kansas can get some running backs. I, I don't know why they can't do anything with them or seem to win, but. I mean, when you think about the talent, Kansas has a running back the last couple of years, and then they had a kid transfer out of Kansas uh, that put up that kind of numbers uh, yesterday on NC State. That's uh, that's impressive. 
moving on in the ACC and down uh, in Florida, and you had the rivalry. Um, you, most people weren't expecting this game to be close, and it was probably um, less competitive uh, than what most people would, would have thought. And, um, you know, you had De'Eric King and Miami just absolutely lighting up Florida State in a game that finished 52 to 10. Yeah, I think Miami is really good, um, and I think Florida State is really bad. Um, the Canes are probably, at least early on, look to be the best they've been in many, many years. Um, who knows if that's going to play out, but it looks that way. Uh, Florida State, I've never seen a Florida State team this bad. Uh, they're terrible. Um, they are potentially, who knows how the season's going to play out, Bubba. But being there playing nothing but a conference slate, um, the, they, they had one non-conference game. Uh, they may go um, – what is their one non-conference game? Jacksonville State. They may go one uh, one and ten. Uh, in that game, um, De'Eric King um, continues to um, come along in the passing game. Um, 29 of 40, uh, 267 yards, two touchdowns, did not throw an interception. And he also ran, uh, which we know he does so well, um, for 65 yards. Yeah, a hell of an athlete, obviously. Um, he was always good at Houston. I think Rhett Lashley is getting more out of him than they ever got out of him at Houston in terms of the passing game. Um, but he uh, he's a hell of an athlete and a great quarterback. And, um, you know, I, I – I hate to see him leaving Houston, but uh, in terms of his career, um, I don't know that Dana Holgerson's air raid was the right offense for him. Um, and uh, what he's doing in Miami right now is uh, is special. Louisville. Louisville's looking to bounce back from a loss to Miami last week at Cardinal Stadium, um, and they – we're in Pittsburgh yesterday. Um, Pitt won a thriller, twenty-three to twenty, in a game in which uh, that Panthers defense under Pat Narduzzi um, and staff uh, limited Louisville, who has shown to have a very explosive offense under Scott Satterfield, to just something like two hundred twenty-five total yards, and I think seventy-five of those came on one play. Bubba, I'm not picking Louisville to win any more games this year. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, they 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 bit me two weeks in a row. I had had a, had a chance yesterday to beat Pitt on the road, but didn't. Um, but a nice nice job by Pitt. If they had a little bit better offense, they they could challenge in the ACC. Their defense is really good. Um, I uh, uh, nice job by Louisville to get the win and uh, or by Pitt. I'm sorry to get the win and uh, they're uh, they're they're really good on defense. Like I said, if they had a little bit better offense, they could be special. But uh. They'll get their share of wins this year and um, certainly are one of the best five or six teams in the ACC. Going back down to the state of Virginia, you had Duke, who had already played two games. Um, they were they were entering Charlottesville looking for their first win. Uh, it did not happen, and, and it's not going to happen when you turn the ball over seven times. Yeah, um, I'm surprised it was actually as competitive as it was with all those turnovers. <laughs> So, uh, nice job by the Hoos to uh, beat Duke and um, start off 1-0. And uh, I did not watch any of that game, Bubba, so I really don't have anything to say about it except uh, Duke's 0-3 and Virginia's 
And let me correct myself. Uh, you can win with seven turnovers because we saw East Carolina do it when we beat UAB in, in 2011. So yeah. 99.99% of the time, you're not going to win with seven turnovers. If you're playing a really bad UAB team, you can barely do it. <laughs> but uh, a little more about this game. Uh, of those seven turnovers, and Chase Bryce, the Clemson transfer quarterback, threw four picks. And um, that was, of course, Virginia's first ball game. And so – I said on the inside slant, um, I'd certainly taken UVA in this matchup and re really a big fan of what Bronco Mendenhall is building there in Charlottesville and, and very much like he did out in Provo. And they were just solid year in, year out. And I think Virginia is on its way to being just that. Yeah, a good football team. Um, uh, the ACC is, is as good this year as it's been in a long time, I think. It's hard to say for sure with very limited non-conference play, but uh, it looks that way. Um, I talked about an 0-2 Duke team unable to get its first win. Um, you had Syracuse, which was in the same boat, and they were playing their first home game, welcoming in uh, Georgia Tech at the Carrier Dome, and they were able to get it done, uh, get uh, moving to 1-2, and two, um, taking down the Yellow Jackets 37-20. to 20. I knew I should have took Syracuse. I said – Friday night, I should take Syracuse. I should take Syracuse. I should take Syracuse. We talked about the line to take being an eight-point favorite, how that didn't look right. <clears throat> and, boy, that wasn't right. Um, Yellow Jackets get uh, get swatted. Uh, nice win by Syracuse. I don't think Syracuse is really bad. They've been, they had been competitive in their first two games. Um, last year, there was high expectations for, for the Orange, and they were terrible. This year, low expectations, and they may be decent. So maybe they just don't do well with expectations. Ever seen a theme like that, Bubba? Yeah. Uh, for um, for Georgia Tech, it was simply a matter of turnovers and penalties. We talked about Duke turning over seven times in, in its loss yesterday. Georgia Tech turned it over five and also committed 15 penalties. Yeah. Um, sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, – Georgia Tech um, <clears throat> uh, beat, you know, Florida State week one. That might not mean much now. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, um, last game uh, from the ACC that we have not touched on, Boston College and Texas State. Uh, I think you were actually able to watch some of this game, right, Kyle? And, no, um, that that is that game, uh, Bubba, is hidden. Um, it's, it's one of those ACC games. Like, I believe Duke's game last week was like that that if you have Dish Network, you cannot find the damn game. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's – I think ACC has still has a, a regional deal where games are syndicated throughout Fox Sports Nets affiliates. And uh whatever reason, I can't find it on Dish Network this week or the Duke game last week, but I was able to listen to it. When I saw the game was close in the fourth quarter, me loving upsets and thinking Texas State was going to pull it out, I, I went on to tune in and I pulled up the Boston College uh, radio network and unfortunately, Texas State blew the lead. They were leading by seven with about five minutes to go. Boston College comes down, ties the ball game, then stops Texas State with a three and out, goes down, uh, kicks field goal, wins the football game. Um, so uh, they gave up 10 points in the last four minutes or so of the game and uh, end up uh, blowing the lead and losing to Boston College. And uh, Texas State, man, they, they are so close right now to being 4-0 and said they're 1-4 or 1-3. Yeah, 
that's what I was going to chime in with. And the Texas State's one and three, all three of those losses against SMU, UTSA, and uh, yesterday BC have been um, either could wins or even should wins. I know, I know UTSA was definitely in that should win category where um, their special teams was specifically um, the kicking game. Um, you know, came back to bite them. But Jake Spavadol certainly seems to have the Bobcats trending up. And um, we'll continue to keep an eye on them to see if they can uh, get over that home and start to win some games as they move into league play. You know, the Sun Belt's on an easy league this year. Um, yeah, yeah, and then going back to the UTSA game, they, they, uh, they had a huge kick return um, with just a few seconds left. The tie of the game, PAT to win it, and they missed it. Um, but moving on to the Big 12, and we've already touched on what took place yesterday in Norman with number three, Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley and crew uh, falling to the Wildcats and rallying from 35 14 down, um, I guess mid to late third quarter, uh, scoring those 24 unanswered points to take down the Sooners once again. Um, number eight, Texas nearly fell. Uh, they were able to rally from 15 down in Lubbock um, in an absolute shootout, winning 63 to 56 in overtime. Yeah, I did not get to see any of that one either. I was on the road. Um... That is, I, I wish I would have watched that game. I'm going to go back and probably actually watch that on YouTube uh, to see uh, what exactly played out in the, in the second half and in overtime. But uh, that is classic Big 12 football right there when uh, <laughs> you're scoring those numbers. Um, Texas Tech always seems to have a great offense no matter who the coach is. Um, unfortunately, could not hold on to beat Texas. And uh, the Longhorns come up with the victory. But uh, Texas Tech won that game. I mean – with Oklahoma losing, the Big 12 would have been completely out of whack. I, I don't think the Big 12, you know, this year, it, it is a mess, man. When you look at all those upsets uh, against the Sun Belt, Oklahoma State almost going down to Tulsa, um, and now in conference, the best team, Oklahoma, um, already losing. I, I, so Kansas State team that lost to Arkansas State, you know, you, to me, the Big 12 is kind of a kind of a crap show. Uh uh, fun to watch, but I'm not sure they're a very good league this year. Um, moving on within the state of Texas, and there in the Big 12, and you had TCU playing its first game, Iowa State and Brock Purdy uh, coming to Fort Worth. And it's kind of a back and forth game. Uh, Iowa State did score first, um, but um, TCU was playing from behind for much of it. I say back and forth, and they were. And Iowa State, like I said, got gotten uh, that first score of the ball game, but um, pretty pretty entertaining game. And just by glancing at the box score, I would I would imagine it would have been uh, entertaining. But Brock Brock Purdy um, was much more consistent than he was against Louisiana. He was 18 out of 23 for over 200 yards, and then Brees Hall uh, rushed for three touchdowns and more than 150 for the Cyclones. Yeah, it's tough to watch when, when you when you have an East Carolina game actually on, and then it goes from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. and then you got other things you got to do. It, it, it's hard to sit and watch games as well as closely as we have with earlier this year, where we watched every single game on Saturday. Um, yeah. But I uh, didn't get to see any of this one either. Uh, but nice win by Iowa State. Anytime you can go beat Gary Patterson and TCU in Fort Worth is a good win, particularly after they started the season with the uh, loss to uh, Louisiana. So uh, uh, not nice win by the Cyclones to uh, 
beat the Horn Frogs, and one I actually got right in our picks. And guess who the Cyclones have up next? They okay. are they are they are welcoming uh, Oklahoma to Jack Trice Stadium in Ames. So next weekend, um, we'll see uh, how Lincoln Riley and company are able to go on the road and whether they can bounce back. I bet they can. I bet they can. Um, that's a that's an interesting game uh, for for Iowa State and Oklahoma. Um, both of them need to win that and. Big 12 wide open right now in terms of who's going to be one and two. Week one, Oklahoma State, um, they were able to to pull out a win against Tulsa, but that was about it. Uh, really had issues offensively. Yesterday they were welcoming West Virginia to Stillwater. And in, in that one, um, again, a game that I didn't get to see any of, but but the Cowboys um, won by two touchdowns, and Illingworth, uh, the quarterback who had come in late, uh, late third quarter um, in Tulsa in game one, and really provided a spark. Uh, he was solid. His his numbers weren't anything that are going to, you know, steal any headlines. But he was 15 out of 21 for 140 yards. Uh, so he, he was efficient. Uh, but then Chuba Hubbard, uh, he, he had 100-plus on the ground. Uh, so um, – that was one that we had actually I'd taken West Virginia and upset after Oklahoma State had struggled. Um, but I am certainly not surprised that Oklahoma State was victorious. I thought Oklahoma State's playing pretty good defense for two straight weeks. People talking about their offense struggling, but uh, uh, they, they held Tulsa to, to what, seven? And how many points did they hold uh, West Virginia to? Thir- 13, and I think yeah. maybe less than 70 yards rushing. Yeah, so uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, Lots of times when you have a league wide open and you talk about high-powered offenses, could the team playing good defense uh, sneak up in there and finish one or two and be in that Big 12 championship game? And uh, rounding out things in the Big 12, um, you had um, down in Waco, Dave Aranda getting his initial win in in, uh, the season opener for the Bears. Um, It was back and forth a little bit early, but then uh, from second quarter on, it was all Baylor. 47-14 47 to 14 over less miles than the Jayhawks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch Baylor this year. I did get to see some of that one uh, late on ESPNU. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch Baylor uh, this year. Um, Larry Fedora is the OC there. And uh, you know how I keep up with Southern Miss a lot. Uh, that's, you know, who I'd like to see them bring back. I'd love to see Fedora back at USM. I think they need that right now for their fans. A familiar name with some history get that fan base excited again because they're really down down there. Um, but anyway, nice win by Baylor, and it'll be interesting to watch uh, their offense this year under Fedora as OC. Moving to Conference USA, um, you had a couple of, uh, of uh, non-Saturday games, um, which is so often the case, NCUSA. Uh, you had UAB, um, Bill Clark, and the Blazers. Uh, routed the Jaguars um, down in their their new stadium, forty two to ten UAB. Yeah, I saw some of that one Thursday night. Uh, UAB looked good. Uh, I don't think South Alabama is very good at all. I think uh, you know their their win over USM might not mean much now. Uh, it'll mean a lot to them in terms of bragging rights, but uh, Southern Miss didn't look very good. Um, so. Uh, not nice win by UAB to get the in-state Vic in dominating fashion over uh, the Jaguars. 
and um, in UAB, it, it was nice uh, for for them to to bounce back after that that loss in Miami. And uh, hey, that don't look so bad now. That performance against Miami, Bubba, that looks pretty dang good, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and not surprised whatsoever. Um, you expect Bill Clark's teams to be solid, and and they were that uh, on Friday night. Um, the Roadrunners, uh, UTSA. Um, in a game that was the scheduled. three and O Roadrunners, Bubba, the three and O Roadrunners, yeah. the three and O Roadrunners after a 37 35 victory over the Blue Raiders at the Alamo Dome. Worst three and O team in college football. I uh, guarantee you that. Um, I, uh, I watched a lot of that game. That was a fun game to watch back and forth in the second half. Uh, Middle Tennessee finally showing some signs of life on offense because they had struggled mightily early. Um, so, uh, uh, UTSA uh, puts it away late, uh, holds on for the Vic, um, and they are 3-0. Uh, 3-0, I guess, is 3-0, but I don't think they're going to – it'll be interesting to see how their season plays out <laughs> because they're not a very good football team even to be 3-0. and uh, They got a good offense, but their defense is terrible. Yeah, Asher O'Hara, kind of to your point, uh, for Middle Tennessee, threw for 372 yards and three touchdowns for the Blue Raiders, um, 31 out of 47. Uh, and he did throw two interceptions. So, Yeah. Um, and the Middle had not scored on anybody up to that point. Um, but still a nice win, man. UTSA 3-0. and I'm not trying to take that away from them. Um, and uh, some, some uh, I believe that's first-year head coach down there in uh, San Antonio. It is, and um, it's a guy who um, very successful high school coach in the state of Texas, and then he had moved on, and it was kind of uh, a Chad Morris disciple, if you will, because he had he had he actually spent a year or two at Texas, but after that, he he was with Chad Morris at SMU and then Arkansas. Yeah, and Chad Morris made a mistake going to Arkansas. Not a good career move. Uh, that was a they they were going to have to give him more time than they did if he was going to totally different direction from Brett Bielema. Um, but anyway, I was here nor there. Uh, but anyway, nice, nice win for the Roadrunners. Week one, the Liberty Flames had gone on the road and um, found a way to win a thriller at Western Kentucky. Uh, Hugh Freeze's ball club and playing his first home game of the year. Uh, welcome in. Butch Davis and the FIU Panthers to town, and they were victorious. The Flames were 36-34 to 34 at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg. Yeah, heck of a job Hugh Freeze is doing at, uh, at Liberty. And uh, 2-0, Liberty would be in Conference USA huh? if they were in the league. But uh, nice job, man, um, to get the win over Butch Davis and FIU. Uh, I can't say anything more about Hugh Freeze as a coach. Um, uh, you, you wonder with, with the background he had, with the uh, trouble he got into at Ole Miss, both on the field and off the field, uh, particularly the off the field, is what cost him the job. And Bubba, of all places, Liberty gives him an opportunity. I guess forgive, huh? But uh, I, um, I'd be interested to see if he gets another P5 opportunity or a, you know, I say a higher level group of five job uh, like in the American, but I can tell you this, if Liberty wants to, they can pay him as much as anybody. They got a lot of independent money. Um, that's not from a conference or, you know, from the school. They're, they're independently wealthy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how long he stays in Lynchburg, how many other, other opportunities come around for Hugh Freeze. Um, but he's a heck of a football coach. 
and with him being an, yeah with him being an alum uh, if i'm southern miss i i at least um yeah you, know, you give him a call you, 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 you at least make the call you at least make the call yeah, with him I, being I, an alum. liberty could pay him more than southern miss but does he want to get back in mississippi southern miss this is on mata I mean, you know, I, I do think there's a handful of USM fans that would probably shudder at the fact of hiring a former Ole Miss head coach. But you better get over that nonsense. Uh, he's a he's a heck of a football coach, and um, if Mike Houston were to leave tomorrow, he'd probably be the first phone call I want us to make. No doubt, uh, he's definitely a heck of a football coach. Um, he's had success everywhere he's been. Um, for the Flames yesterday, Malik Willis, their quarterback, um, had a heck of a day. Um, completing 80% of his passes for nearly 300 yards. And then you also had Josh Mack um, top 100 on the ground for the Flames. Um, you talk about UTSA and how you're not very impressed with them, even though they're 3-0. and How about UTEP? And they are 3-1 and now after oh taking my God. that. Oh, <laughs> like everything I said about UTSA. They're 3-1. and Oh, yeah, I know they beat an FCS, and I know they beat Monroe. Who else did they beat? They, they beat a couple of FCS opponents. Uh, I think one of those was maybe Stephen F. Austin, and I'm trying to recall the other. Okay. Um, yeah, they <laughs> their uh, other other two victories were uh, Stephen F. Austin 24-14 in the opener, and then they had beaten Abilene Christian 17-13. Before the Mountain West announced they were coming back, uh, somebody had us playing UTEP in the uh, New Mexico Bowl. Uh, I bring them on, baby. I'd <laughs> three and one my ass i mean i'm telling you what uh no i is as, as, as utsa i think would murder utep uh that's how bad i think utep is you talk about schedule playing to your advantage when i saw they shut out monroe yesterday i said monroe's the worst team in the history of college football my hat's off hey look uh steve logan's old friend uh dana demel is uh at utep so uh good for dana uh three and one start for the Piners. Hey now, Kyle, don't sell the Warhawks short. Um, they didn't get shut out. They, they were able to. They were able to muster six points. It was th- thirty-one to six. Okay. Um, when I saw the score it was twenty-four nothing, I thought that was a final. <laughs> hey, but this this game, uh, and I think you may have just said this, so uh, I apologize if I'm repeating myself. But uh, the game was played in Monroe as well, and it, it wasn't at the Sun Bowl. No, I didn't say that, but uh, that's uh. <laughs> Nice job by by UTEP going on the road. They're they're going to be excited in El Paso, man. Uh, they uh, first time they've had anything to be excited about down there in years. Uh, three, who 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 do the Miners have next? Um, the Miners have um, the team that we're about to talk about, who um, who uh, was victorious yesterday. Skip Holtz and the La Tech Bulldogs. Um, and Louisiana Tech is next up for. Dana Demel and uh, the UTEP Miners. I bet you they won't be. Uh, I bet you they won't be four and one. But uh, and, the, and that game is in Ruston. Yeah, they won't be four and one. <laughs> Reality is about to sink in for UTEP. I have a feeling, though. Uh, you know, who knows, man? La Tech's not a world beater this year. But what did the Bulldogs do yesterday? I didn't even see that score. Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of what took place in Ruston yesterday. Uh, you had La Tech taking down Houston Baptist, 66-38. Um, you know, Houston Baptist was on the brink of the huge upset in Lubbock. And um, and we, talk, we talked about that explosive offense and that they have with with Bailey Zappi, um, the quarterback. And he, he threw for five touchdowns and over 400 yards yesterday. 
Um, but it, it was uh, nowhere near enough as La Tech gave up 38 and still won by four touchdowns. Um, for, for Louisiana Tech, uh, their, their quarterback, um, Luke Anthony, also threw five touchdown passes. Yeah, their offenses look pretty good this year um, uh, over Southern Miss and now over uh, uh, Houston Baptist. Um, so uh, nice job by La Tech. That's Joe Sloan. It's the OC there now, former Pirate. Um, so, uh, keep, keep an eye on the Bulldogs and, uh, and their offense. And, um, just a little, uh, tidbit, um, as far as it's interesting to glance at the attendance, um, especially considering we can only have 350. Uh, when I say we, I'm talking about Eddie East Carolina for our listeners who, um, if you're a first time listener and you don't realize this is a East Carolina centric podcast, but, 350 is all we could have yesterday at Dowdy Ficklin. Um, so um, down in Ruston, um, they were able to have a little over 7,000. So they had their normal crowd. <laughs> um, moving on, taking a look at the independence. We've already talked about a couple of the, the games. Um, the only one uh, yeah, I was just going in order. Uh, the, the, okay. the, the, only, the only one um, that we have not discussed uh, was BYU. BYU uh, had some games that were at least one game that was uh, postponed because of COVID. Uh, I'm trying to remember who that game was against. And you, you can help me out there, Kyle. They had won, yeah, they had won 55 to three at Navy. They were supposed to play that very next week up in West Point, um, but were unable to do so. Yesterday, they finally play again in Provo, taking on Troy, who was a big winner week one against uh, a week one for them uh, against middle Tennessee and their opener in Murfreesboro. But yesterday it was, or last night, I should say it was all Cougars 48 to seven. Yeah, they're good. Um, it's a shame that uh, they don't have a more national schedule than they normally do this year. Uh, I think the Cougs may go undefeated, particularly now that army is off their schedule. Um, they have eight game schedule. I don't know if they're going to add anybody else, if they're going to try to reschedule that Army game. But uh, I, I believe the Cougs have a really good shot at uh, going undefeated. Um, they have the Houston Cougars still to come. Um, uh, I, I don't know what else off the top of my head. Uh, it seems like they maybe yeah. play UTSA. Yeah, since you bring it up, and you're, you're correct. They do play UTSA uh, in Provo. They go to Houston. Um, next up, they have Louisiana Tech on on October second. It says, but something's not. Um, it must be um, that La Tech UTEP game. That must be the following week. I didn't notice the date on that. That's La Tech. They are playing them. That the game was just scheduled about two weeks ago. Right. Yeah, and I I do remember like you're saying. Uh, I didn't recall the date, but I remember that game being right. scheduled in the last week or two. That's um, Interesting game. Uh, Louisiana Tech has a good offense. Uh, I don't think they're going to be good enough to beat BYU, but that is an interesting game. And it is uh, is in Provo on ESPN two on nine o'clock on Friday night. So that'd be fun to watch. Indeed, and um, for for BYU, uh, you know, it was the ground attack primarily in the opener against Navy last night. It it was uh, the arm of Josh Wilson. Uh, and that's why 
that doesn't sound right. I, I think it's Zach something. I think my app's wrong, but um, it, but anyway, BYU threw for nearly 400 yards in in that ball game. Yeah, uh, nice one by BYU. Watched some of that game. Um, very dominant performance over Troy. Troy's not a bad team. Uh, so uh, impressive win by uh, by BYU. And uh, will they go undefeated this year? That is the question, really, to me. Would they have a favorable schedule and um, uh, like their OC? Um, and uh, didn't you know a couple years ago? I really thought that um, their head coach cannot think of his name right now. I thought he was going to be fired uh, back when we beat him. Um, when Montgomery was here, I thought that guy wouldn't be there long, but he's, he's kind of righted the ship, made some changes on his staff, which was very important. I got a good OC there now and, uh, maybe looking at an undefeated season right in the S and hey, look, people can put an asterisk beside it or whatever, but during this pandemic with the, with the schedule they had to put together last minute, if they go undefeated, hats off to them. Yeah, and to this point, they they've been dominant, uh, winning fifty five to three and forty eight to seven, and that, and that's the thing for me. Yes, and they're not playing some of those uh, bigger names um, that, at least to this point, and then really I mean, throughout the schedule as as we just discussed a little bit. Um, but um, I certainly wish they would have been able to play a lot of those Pac-12 and Big Ten opponents um, because I think they would have had their success and not necessarily running through it uh, unbeaten, but um, they would have uh, opened some eyes. And Kalani Sataki, um, after it seemed like, uh, at least to the outsiders, that it was semi-shaky ground a couple years ago, that program. <laughs> yeah, and, and I say that based on what I had heard from some, you know, Garrett McClintock, who we've had on the program, uh, and I – he didn't seem like he was on the verge of being fired, but but yes, there was plenty of uh, proving that needed to be done, and uh, they are definitely doing just that. Um, two more leagues to discuss that we have not touched on a whole lot yet. Um, Sun Belt and SEC. We'll go with the Sun Belt first. Um, in the Sun Belt yesterday, um, just stealing the show um, in terms of that league's uh, results was down in down in Louisiana and Lafayette, you had the Raging Cajuns uh, winning an absolute thriller against Georgia Southern 20 to 18 on a 53 yard field goal as time expired. Yeah. I flipped when I seen it was 17 to 18 with, uh, with, with under a minute to go and Louisiana had the ball and, uh, we were being blown out at that point. I flipped it over to the, they watched the end of that game, watched the last minute of it. Louisiana drives down the field, uh, stalls and a uh, fourth down, uh, their kicker had struggled all year. Uh, they actually didn't know if they were going to go for it and or or kick the fifty some yard field goal the way their kicker had struggled. And they line up to kick the fifty of a fifty three yarder or something like that, and uh, right through the uprights, baby. And uh, they the the you could you could see the player. I I don't think there was a player on that team that thought he was going to make that kick. That was one of the greatest reactions I've ever seen. That was it was fantastic. And uh, Louisiana's three and zero. They have struggled after beating uh, Kansas State uh, against Georgia Southern and against Georgia State, but they found a way to win both of them. Um, so uh, they they keep finding ways to win, and that that was uh, as as fun of a of an ending to watch. Um, just just because, like I said, I don't think that they I don't think anybody in that stadium thought that kid was going to make that kick. And talking about. Louisiana getting it done. 
Next up for the Raging Cajuns, um, they're going to try to get the monkey off their back as they will go to Boone, North, Car Boone, North Carolina to take on App State and the Mountaineers. Um, they haven't had any success, and like I just referenced, against that program. Um, but could this year be the year? We, we shall see. Um, but talking about App State, and they got a bounce-back win over Campbell, had something like what, 30, 35 guys, something crazy out, uh, even more than Georgia Southern had uh, when they nearly got upset by the Camels. And it looked like that might take place again. 17-13, App was leading at halftime, but it was all Mountaineers. They really got their rushing attack going after the break and won 52-21 over the Campbell Camels. Yeah, I knew with all those players out, I was keeping up with that score early. And uh, then at halftime, the, the Mountaineers were barely leading. And I thought, oh, Lord, here we go. I feel like I don't care how many players are out of Campbell wins this game. Appalachian State's going to want everybody fired. But uh, they, uh, they, they, they put them away in the second half. So good performance by App with all those players out due to COVID uh, in the second half to, uh, to beat the, uh, the Camels. And uh, now it's, it's on to Lafayette. Uh, I think that's on a Wednesday night, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, October 7th. And that yep. is. Uh, as you would guess, an ESPN uh, telecast, and and that one is um, 7.30, 7.30 on Wednesday, October 7th, like, yeah, I said, like I said, on the ESPN, and I talked about the Mountaineers getting their ground game going. They ran for over 400 yards and five touchdowns in the second half. Yeah, big game for the Mountaineers and the Rage of Cajun coming up here in a little over a week. Uh, be a fun one to watch. Um, for the most part, I, th I think that's we, we've touched on everything in the Sun Belt. Um, lastly, we, we saved the the best league for last um, with the SEC. And what were some things that stood out? Um, we've talked about LSU, Mississippi State. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that was the biggest thing. Um, but several other games on the docket yesterday. You had. Number four, Georgia, um, the Bulldogs going to take on one of its former coaches um, there at Arkansas, and it looked like the upset may happen. It was, it was um, Arkansas winning that ball game. I think it was ten to five in the third quarter, and Georgia got it rolling from that point on, and actually went on to win thirty-seven to ten. But if you if you didn't see how that game, the flow of it, uh, you, you would have probably thought it was Georgia throughout, but that was not the case. The, the Bulldogs were trailing ten to five mid third quarter. Yeah, um, Arkansas uh, came out playing good defense. Our uh, Georgia took a while to get their offense going. Coach Munkin, their OC, former Southern Mississippi coach, uh, got the offense going in the second half and uh, put uh, put the Razorbacks away. And uh, so, good win for Georgia. Um, the the game yesterday in the SEC that I really watched the most of was Tennessee South Carolina. Um, Tennessee kind of came out and was was kind of dominating the game, and South Carolina comes roaring back in the second half. And uh, Mike Bobo, first year offensive coordinator down in Columbia, gets his offense going and comes back and ties uh, Tennessee, and it's kind of a back and forth game. And yeah, the balls went it late. Um, South Carolina forces a punt with about a minute and forty some seconds to go, and uh, uh, Tennessee punts it to him and. South Carolina muffs the punt. Tennessee recovers it and runs the clock out. 
to, to preserve the victory down in Columbia. But uh, that was a fun game to watch. We talked about number six, LSU going down, number four, Georgia getting it together uh, in the second half. Number two, Alabama took down Missouri in what was um, what was the first game for Eli Drinkwitz there in Columbia. Uh, it was all tied um, in the first half, 28-3, and then they cruised to a 38-19 win over the Tigers. Yeah, uh, they kind of took the foot off the gas, or either Missouri played better football in the second half, but uh, Bama gets it done. Um, like I said, uh, not as impressive in the second half. I, again, I don't know if that was Alabama taking the foot off the gas or Missouri just playing better ball. And Bubba Grant, we appreciate you tuning in as always and chiming in saying that, that game down in down in Louisiana with the Raging Cajuns winning on the 53-yard field goal as time expired um, was certainly a thriller. Um, yeah. um, moving on within the SEC, uh, Texas A&M, uh, big things expected out of the Aggies this year. Maybe some people think they could potentially be a, a contender in the West. Um, and, I, and I say West, I assume the, the SEC is sticking with divisional play. I believe, believe they are. Um, uh, unlike the ACC, but Texas A&M 17 to 12 over Vanderbilt. Um, the Aggies uh, turned it over, I think, at least four times in that one. Vandy playing good defense as always. They just can never get much going on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, nice, nice win for Texas A&M. Um, despite the struggles, I mean, I think most people thought A&M would win that by a much larger margin. But look, they got the Vic, and you move on. And and that's funny, and that's an excellent point, what you bring up about Vanderbilt. Um, when James Franklin was there, they found a way to generate some offense. But, yes, by and large, down through the years, it seems like um, – and and just to be fair, um, also uh, back when um, they had Jay Cutler at quarterback, not, not bad on offense then, but more often than not, it seems as though their defense is more solid than their offense there in Nashville. And uh, that's kind of odd because most teams is the other way around where you have a pretty good offense but can't stop anybody. Yeah, particularly under their current head coach. Uh, can't think of his name right now. He's been there a few years now. But yeah, they all coach uh, Mason. Yeah, they always play good defense and don't have very good offense. You would think maybe he'd get a good OC. Might make his job a little easier. But speaking of plenty of offense and – Dan Mullen took his Gators to to um, Oxford yesterday and just lit up Lane Kiffin in in the debut for for him with the Rebels fifty one thirty five Florida. Yeah, uh, nice win by Florida. Uh, Ole Miss played pretty good football offensively. Um, I don't I don't really think they should have anything to be too upset about. Uh, uh, Kiffin, uh, I think, will probably be all right there. Um, Florida's really good, and Ole Miss did not get embarrassed in that game. So I uh, actually was more competitive than I expected it to be, Bubba. So uh, nice win for Florida. They look good, but I don't think Ole Miss did anything to embarrass themselves. Yeah, I talk about Florida's offensive uh, performance in that one. 642 total yards, a career high, 416 passing for Kyle, Kyle Trask. Um, tied an SEC in school record with six, six passing touchdowns. Yeah, Reese certainly was not pleased with the Ole Miss defense. I can hear in the background. But uh, Miami or uh, Florida put up those big numbers on offense. 
against the Rebels, but the Rebels uh, put up 35 points and look pretty good on offense themselves. When I talk about the Rebels not doing anything to embarrass themselves, I certainly meant on the offensive side of the ball. Change my mind about the switch. I don't know if I want to. We now have a family yeah. show, um, but. <laughs> All right. It is what it is, Bob. The, the, gator, the Gators um, additionally ran for nearly 200 yards. Um, so, very uh, interested to see. Uh, maybe this is the year that Florida gets back on top um, in, in on that east side of the conference. Uh, I, I really think that may be the case. Long way to go and um with the different schedules this year i'm, I'm glancing uh, very quickly to see w when that matchup is occurring with georgia and um it it's actually no november 7th uh, november 7th when uh, the bulldogs and gators will meet yeah that'll be uh that'll be a fun matchup and uh certainly should decide the east division of the sec no doubt and last thing to uh, mention, um, you had Auburn. Um, looked like Kentucky may may do it um, yesterday in the first half. Certainly had their opportunities and really had their opportunities throughout. I knew they had a had a pick six that went for a hundred yards, and um, Auburn won by what twenty nine thirteen something like that yesterday on the plains. Yeah, nice win over Kentucky. A lot of people like Kentucky in the upset for whatever reason, and uh, Auburn takes care of business and. Uh, Beats Kentucky convincingly for a very nice win for uh, for the Tigers. Anything else? Uh, I think we've gone through week four pretty thoroughly. Uh, any anything else to add, or um, have you taken a look at week five? What do you, What do you think, Kyle, about in the games next week? I really haven't looked at it yet. Um, I, I need to. Uh, we will do that uh, this week and, uh, and 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 look at some of the matchups for next week. Uh, Obviously, the one matchup I must focus on is East Carolina-Georgia State. Will the game be played? Uh, Coach Houston seemed pretty confident post-game yesterday that we would be playing the Panthers in Atlanta. Seems to think that Georgia State's COVID situation isn't as bad as initially thought. So, uh, hopefully, he is correct, and the Pirates will be on their way to Atlanta, GA. I'm also anxious to see what the spread will be in that game. Uh, so, uh, stay tuned. We did mention that BYU La Tech game. Um, I know another one just right off the top of my head uh, that I failed to mention when we were talking about SMU. Uh, they're playing Memphis, assuming that Memphis is able to play. Um, but that should yeah. be that should, that should be a tremendous matchup between the Mustangs and Tigers. Memphis should be good to go by this point. Um, you, you can't stay out for so long. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you would hope so. Um, and. Some others, um, kind of scrolling through things here. Uh, you, you also have uh, Oklahoma and Iowa State. We did mention that one earlier with the Sooners looking to get back on track um, as they head to Ames. Um, Texas, uh, who survived yesterday in Lubbock, um, they are hosting TCU. That's not a bad one. Um, also, you have uh, number two, Alabama, at num or, excuse me, not at, but hosting number 10, Texas A&M. And uh, I just mentioned as far as um, the Aggies and Jimbo Fisher uh, being potential contenders, we'll we'll find out next week. Who's Mississippi State have? Give me a moment. So Mississippi State has. We'll see if they can avoid a hangover as they will host uh, Arkansas. All right. Yeah, they'll be two and a. Yeah, um, we'll be very interested to to see. 
how things go for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs moving forward to, to see if yesterday was more of an exception or if um, KJ Costello and, and State will continue to light folks up. But if you don't have anything else, Kyle, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode of the college football play at, playback up. And uh, for Kyle Barber, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. You have been listening and watching the college football playback on the Sports Objective. Have a great week, everybody.